Welcome to Code Grays, an episode-by-episode recap of classic Grays Anatomy. I'm Teresa Rosado, and I'm joined by Megan Tatsky and Patrice Anthony. This week we are talking about Season 3, Episode 3, Song by Billy Joel. (laughs) Sometimes a fantasy. (laughs) Sometimes a fantasy. Is that how that sounds? No, goes? I've never heard this. Okay, before. yeah, me either. <laughs> that sounds way better than a Bound Joel song. No. <laughs> <laughs> oh. None of us are Billy Joel fans. No, we've, we have nothing to contribute to a Billy Joel conversation. No. Um, this episode, Sometimes a Fantasy. I feel underprepared to talk about this episode for some reason. Why? I don't I know. Do too. I just. <laughs> I feel like okay. I've just well, I guess I'm been all it. over the place. And so I'm like, okay, I got to settle in and I got to talk about this episode <laughs> that came out on October 5th, 2006 and was written by Deborah Kahn and directed by Adam Arkin and begins with a montage of a threesome. Ooh. Yeah. Bam, Two bam, men, bam. one lady. Yeah. Murder bam, Finn. Bam, Murder bam, Finn. Bam, was this a hot scene? I want to hear. Well, wait. Do we need? Do we need to do the rounds first? I do want to talk about this. Oh yeah, because I'm really wow. curious to hear your guys's <laughs> perspective on this particular threesome, and if you remember and on the first threesomes. time you saw this. We're gonna talk about threesomes more broadly. Let's also. do the rounds. <laughs> but first, the rounds. Who's gonna round. do the rounds this week? Uh, I can. Great. I'll volunteer. Okay. Three, two. One, go. Okay, so in this episode, the patient rundown is Megan Clover, played by Abigail Breslin, who is a girl who feels no pain. Taylor Trestle, who has like a million seizures a day or something, can't hold his baby. This guy named Jasper, who... <laughs> this guy named Jasper, who just wants to get his ankle replaced because apparently he's Iron Man. And uh, Burke is still sort of a patient. He's a whimpering, pitiful man. There are threesomes, George being an ass, Izzy standing outside of a hospital. Addison. And you're done. <laughs> a million seizures a day. He can't hold his baby. It's very sad. I can't. <laughs> That's definitely the worst part of it. You would not know that from your retelling of that at all. (laughs) I only just say he can't hold his baby. It's like you said it in the same way as like he can't hold his liquor, but like he can't hold his baby. I only started laughing because Teresa was laughing. (laughs) Oh, man. The threesome that starts out this episode is uh, I definitely when I watched it when I was younger, I remember being like, wow. I had not considered this. <laughs> it's like a possibility. Like I definitely up until whatever age I was when I saw this, um, thought of threesomes as exclusively for men to mm-hmm. have sex with women. Two women oh, like at two women. Yeah. Yeah. So seeing Mary in meant bed with two men, I was like, <gasps> a world of possibilities. I thought you meant you were just like, how can three people have sex? <laughs> Not just two. <laughs> I mean, I'm sure that I also, you know, about dot com <laughs> that topic as well. You asked but... Jeeves. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's it's like a weird like kaleidoscope opening though. Like at first, it's just a bunch of bizarre, bizarrely angled shots of Meredith lying in bed in a somewhat sultry manner. Mm. And it's like, why is this happening? Why are we getting like this spinning montage of like angular Meredith Grey shots? Mm -hmm. But then Derek comes into focus and then Finn on the other side. Yeah. I I didn't think it was hot. You didn't think it was what? (laughs) I didn't think it was hot. You didn't? Not at all? No. Do you remember ever thinking it was hot? No. What is upsetting to you about it? Is it because you hate Derek? (laughs) (laughs) This sounds like a therapy session. What is upsetting to you about it? Uh, No, it's not because I hate Derek. I just like, the scene didn't read as sexy to me. They're both, they're all just like, good morning. Good morning. Mm. It is, it reads as more comical than sexy to me. And then now when I was watching it, I was thinking just like, this bed seems like a queen bed and there are three people in it and there's just not a lot of space. But Meredith is like 
three fourths of a person. Like Again, in terms I think of that's size, generous. So. <laughs> <laughs> She's very small. So it's like two and a half people in a bed. Still which, too many. Still too many for a queen. Still too many. <laughs> Claustrophobia. <laughs> I too mean, if you're people. in the middle, which she is. Sure. 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 <laughs> Did you think it was hot, Megan? I don't. You know, I don't. I don't remember, and I agree that it does not read as sexy, and I don't really think that I read it as sexy when I saw it when I was 17 or whatever, Um, but I was thinking about how this episode is called Sometimes a Fantasy, and that this is clearly like a fantasy she's having, and I remember feeling like very attached to Meredith at that time in my life, and thinking like, oh, like, because you know about fantasies, and you know about threesomes when you're a teenager, but like, this idea of fantasies, like I didn't really have any fantasies at that time in my life, mm. you know, like really. And I think I remember being like, oh, is that what I'm supposed to be thinking of? <laughs> and and feeling like, whoa, like like similar to what you were saying, Teresa, of like I hadn't really considered that like particular permutation of parts <laughs> and people. But like I hadn't really thought about that as like a fantasy. And I found it like, I don't know, like I was missing something or like I had to catch up in some way to like understand what it meant to like have a sexual fantasy, Mm. you know? And I think it's also a little confusing because it doesn't really read as sexy. I think that's like a really good observation that I hadn't really considered, but I definitely feel. Mm. Um, But this idea that this is Meredith's fantasy is actually like, you know, she clearly wants to sort of have her cake and eat it too. And I think the actual fantasy is that, like, she doesn't really want to make this decision. Yeah. <laughs> and, like, in this particular scenario, like, I don't think she would actually enjoy having sex with the two of them at the same time. But I think that, like, you know, she just wants to not make a choice, <laughs> mm. which I do admire as a fantasy. <laughs> so uh, that's that's where we start out. And this whole episode is going to be about fantasies. And I liked, Patrice, that you were kind of like, is it? Like, Patrice's notes were like, did this follow the theme of fantasy all the way through? Which I thought was a noble exercise. Um, Yeah, I totally agree. (laughs) And it kind of starts out with the fantasy of Megan Clover and the girl who can feel no pain. Right? Yeah. I don't know. Does that feel like a good place to start? Let's talk about her. Okay. Let's do it. She's played by Abigail Breslin. Yes. Tiny Abigail Breslin. Probably guys... right before she did Little Miss Little Sunshine. Little Miss Sunshine. That's what I was thinking. Either right before or right after. Yeah. Did you? Guys I would say see probably right before, because I feel like she would have been too big after. Did Did you guys see that movie? Yes. It's a fantastic movie. It's really good. Yeah, it has Alan Arkin. I in love it. it. Who's not Adam Arkin? And Tony Collette. Yeah. Who yeah. Love. Little Miss Sunshine came out in 2006, which is the same oh. year that this episode came out. So. Whoa, big year for Abigail. Yeah, way to go. It also yeah. uh, it now? also had Steve Carell in a role mm. that I thought was really great. Mm. Yeah. And yeah. Paul Dano. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Remember when Paul Dano was a thing? Yeah. Anyway. Yeah, that was a good movie. It was a really good movie. I liked it a lot. This podcast yeah, is now about... This family's in like a little van. What? Like, Listen, oh, this okay. movie came out in 2006. People have seen it already. We don't have to summarize it. <laughs> it does mean that Abigail Breslin is now like 25. It does. <laughs> yeah. What's she doing? Abigail. I don't know. Do, girl. We don't want to know. Probably. It'll probably make us sad. Aww. I don't know. Maybe she made it. Maybe she's okay. I have no idea. I have no data points for this at all. But okay, she so plays anyway. a girl who can't feel pain. <laughs> <clears throat> she has a uh, what is she? She's fantastic. I love this case. It's a really I, like, good case. I really, really yes. love this case. Yes. I think that like I mean, it starts off and she's like a foster kid, right? She's like mm-hmm. been bopped around in the system, and like the foster system makes me so sad and so angry. And watching this like little kid who wants so badly to be adopted and loved, who can't feel any pain at all, but is experiencing like such a weight of emotional pain, is like really painful to watch and she's just like trying so hard and she picks alex as her like (laughs) you know i just i just like i love the dynamic a man who likes to think he he... can feel no pain right Ooh, yeah he likes to think he can experience or feel no emotional pain and i i don't yeah the scene you know the scene where where bailey is like pain has a purpose we we need pain I, you know, Alex has a moment in that operating room, and I'm really happy for him. I'm really happy for that guy. 
Yeah. Yeah, yeah, he does. Okay. We can tell because of his conversation later with Izzy. But that's getting mm. well ahead of ourselves. Yes. Back to <laughs> Megan, who so comes she, in. Yeah, she comes in. Oh, my God. Her leg is split the fuck open down the shin. She has a cut, like a terrible laceration on her arm that's all swollen, and that she had taken a staple gun to in order to staple the wound because she didn't want to have to go back into the hospital. She has like some cuts and bruising around her face. And of course, right away, Karev, you know, calls social services. And I mean, he does exactly what what you need to do as a medical professional. And, you know, the parents are like, I, we know what this looks like, right? Like, we know what this looks like, but we have not touched her. The little girl, Megan, is just constantly like, no, it wasn't them, mm-hmm. et cetera, et cetera. Uh, and so then it just becomes a process of unraveling the mystery. And Bailey suggests that Alex does a cold test on her. Um, and that's kind of how they get to the get to the realization that she she can't feel pain. Right. She has C- CIP. Which is dope. <laughs> I mean, that's not dope, but yeah, <laughs> but it's horrifying. cool. Um, I do like that Bailey doesn't jump to conclusions about the family the way that everyone else does. She's yes. like, did the girl tell tell you that she's being yep. abused? Yeah. Um, and she's like, why don't you maybe right. use your doctoring skills to figure something out? <laughs> I also, while you were talking, Teresa, looked over at your notes and read, the kid wants to be punched in the stomach in much the same way that I want to be punched in the face. I respect it. I, listen, mm. she kept, like, walking around to people and being like, punch me in the stomach, punch me in the stomach. And I... I yeah I want to be punched in the face. <laughs> God, Teresa. I just yeah Can I would love to actually. Why? Thank you so much for asking, Megan. Mm-hmm. I'm not I'm not a fucking freak. You're welcome. Okay, it's like not a weird. It's not like a weird kink. It's that I don't like surprises. Like I like to be able to control my responses and my reactions to things. And I don't have any concept of what it would feel like to get punched in the face. And I want to experience mm. both getting punched in the face and punching someone in the face so that I know what to expect if it ever happens to me. Right? Yeah, but I feel and like so a then punch I can never respond. The then I can like I can predict then how I will respond. I would say I want to punch someone in the face probably more than I want to be punched in the face. Because I I feel like I don't want to I don't want to hesitate if I'm ever in a position where I have to punch a guy in the face, right? And I feel like I will hesitate if I've never punched mm. anyone in the face before. But if I've done mm. it and I know how bad it hurts, then I can like file away that pain, right? And then I won't hesitate if I ever am in a position where I have to do it. So it's scientific. getting punched in the face is a little bit different. It's like both I want to know what it feels like. And also, since 2016, it has felt like I'm getting punched in the face over and over and over again. And I would actually just like to get punched in the face. I think that would be nice. Mm. Like, I just want to fucking get it over with. Yeah, I just want to get the (laughs) fuck over with. Like, you know what I mean? Like, I don't want to just, like, keep waking up with, like, emotional gut punches every time I check the news. Just like, I just want someone to, like, punch me in the face. Why don't you take up boxing? It's come up recently. Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> but I do. I want to. I want to know how to throw a punch. I want to know how to take a punch. I think that's important. I'm a, like. I'm. A, I'm a small. I'm a small woman. You know. Fuck. Are you sure you're not a large Puerto Rican man? <laughs> <laughs> Puerto Rico. You burnt. <laughs> She keeps like begging people to punch her in the stomach. And then that's eventually when we find out that she actually had a kid at school punch her in the stomach 24 times. 25 times. 25 times mm-hmm. because he didn't believe that she could not feel any pain. Um, and and then, then he took a baseball bat to her stomach. Uh! And that's when she gets a little thing called a CT. <laughs> Literally, I was when she said that, oh. I was like, where were the teachers? Yeah. I was like, what, what school? Yep. Where in Seattle are you going to school, Megan? Where kids just have access to baseball bats to wield willy-nilly, and there are no teachers around. Yeah, Probably understand. a shitty public school, to be honest. <laughs> <laughs> As 
as a teacher, kids are <laughs> can't can't see them all. <laughs> I think it's amazing that she has that. No, I think that's really true, though, right? Like, you know, like kids were smoking weed in the bathroom of my school the other day. You know, like kids are. I don't know. Like, I, I don't, I think that, like, that doesn't, that doesn't super surprise me if you have a ton of kids out at recess and some kids get a fucking baseball yeah. bat, you know, like. It makes you feel like, it makes you feel like homeschool me. parents have a point sometimes. <laughs> I'm like, you might be mm. onto something. <laughs> I'm kidding. You're crazy. Thumbs Take down. Take your kids to school. Right. Um, <laughs> Fuck. Where they will get hit by baseball. <laughs> Vaccinate bats. them and take them to school. So in that, that order. You don't hit them in that with order. baseball bats. <laughs> yeah, there you go. <laughs> um so so yeah, that's kind of that's the Megan storyline. And then she they sort of decide that she probably has this genetic thing and they have to go in and, and do surgery because of her she is bleeding internally from yep. twenty five punches to the stomach in a baseball bat. Have you have you ever been punched in the stomach before? No. Uh Probably as a child by my siblings. It is not like, like not, not violently. It's terrible. Yeah. It really hurts. I can't imagine 25 times and I super can't imagine a baseball bat. Yeah, no, that's holy shit. That's, I'm really curious about the CIP thing. I, I didn't I didn't do a deep dive into it, but I would be curious. Like, I mean, at what point, you know, like not ha- not you did it. Yeah, we okay, both did great. It. Awesome. All right. Then I'll hold my questions till later. <laughs> no, we can totally talk about it now. Like, why do we have to save medical fact of the week to the end if we're talking well, about the case right now? Well, because it's like a part of the M&M. And oh, then we do it. <laughs> anyway, what else do we want to say about Megan then? If the, we're not going to talk about the science behind her disorder. Yeah, the only <laughs> thing that I would. Teresa. <laughs> God. <laughs> wow. <laughs> So much I sex. told you I'm PMSing you guys. I'm in such a bitch mood tonight. Um, <laughs> I wish I, I had a baseball bat I do like tonight. the long game of like, I, I think this case is really important to Alex's career as a pediatric surgeon is sort of the yes. last thing that like, to your point of like the pairing of Alex and Megan together, um, of, you know, of, of them sort of challenging each other and him sort of seeing how complex pediatric cases can be and i think that this is like an early sort of planting of that seed that it's 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 easy to call back this case in present day gray's anatomy to be like man that was like a really important case to him um, yeah and and i like that right like i think that we see a lot of softness from alex in this episode between the megan case and um and izzy who he sort of you know is very tender to at the end of the episode um so i think that this is an important episode for him um but other than that, I don't know. I don't have much else to say about her. Yeah. That's really it. Yeah. I think I think to to that point, like, yes, it is a big step in his professional, like, future. Uh, but I, I also agree that I think that there is some, like, emotional work that happens in this episode, too. We know, despite not having a ton of details, and that's going to come later in this season. This season is going to get a little bit more Alex-centric. Um, but we, we have some hints at his background and the sort of troubled childhood that he's had and the ways in which he's struggled and stuff. So we know that this is a guy who's dealing with some darkness and I just think that that moment between him and Bailey in the operating room with Megan is really important, you know, mm-hmm. when, when, she, when she says what she says about pain. Everybody wants a life without pain. What does it get you? She needs to be on a poster somewhere to remind people pain's there for a reason. And it feels like something just really clicks with Alex in that moment. Um, yeah, and then when he goes out, to, goes out to Izzy standing outside the hospital and he's like, where does it hurt? You know, it's just it's just a really nice moment. And it feels like it feels like maybe a softening of him in some way to like his own experiences of pain and things, which is still going to be a really long journey, long, tough journey for Karev. But uh, yeah, yeah, good stuff. So should we talk about Taylor? And his million seizures a day, keeping him from being able to hold down his baby. No, hold yeah. down yeah, his and, baby? Yeah, and his liquor. Hold down and his yeah. baby? Yeah. Hold down his baby. 
Taylor Trestle. <laughs> Derek is on the case. They're going to do something where they, like, chop his brain in half to make him stop having yes. seizures. <laughs> his wife is mad. <laughs> She's so mad about it. Well, I mean, it sounds dangerous. Like, we're going to chop your brain in half. Yeah, I think that's Do you want a dead husband or just a husband that has seizures? What is the quality of this man's life, though? Well, her quality of life is going to be pretty bad if her husband dies. (laughs) So, you know, I'd be pretty worried about it, too. So Derek's on the case. Christina's on the case, which is why he almost drops the baby in the first place, because (laughs) Christina has this habit of going off... On her rants about Burke instead of paying attention to her patients. <laughs> and then they almost die. Perfect. Yeah. Do we need to talk about Burke and Christina before we get to this? I mean, yeah, mm. give us, yeah, sure, give us the rundown. I mean, yeah, it's really short. Burke's a baby man, and mm-hmm. Christina is somehow still putting up with it. In like the one of the opening scenes, he throws. His, like, therapy ball that he's supposed to be working on his coordination with and knocks over the coffee and just, like, looks at Christina like, what, bitch? (laughs) And (laughs) I was honestly so appalled in that scene that I was like, I would throw hot coffee all over him. Yeah. All over his balls. Yeah. Like, how do you not take that therapy ball and just, like, bean him in the dick with it, you know? Yeah. Yep. Ooh. It's brutal. Yeah. Just why isn't this relationship over yet? And it just doesn't sell. We've talked about this every episode, but like they're like, I just don't think they're super believable, you know, like I I just don't really believe that she loves him, you know, like I think she respects him and admires him and his talent as a mentor, but I have a really hard time believing in their like love for each other. And, and it's like every episode gets worse and worse and I don't understand why they haven't broken up yet. (laughs) I completely agree. It's not, it's not believable. It's, there are so many unbelievable things in this sequence, actually, because I think that it is a little bit more complicated than just Burke is a baby. Like, I asked the question in my notes, like, do we have compassion for Burke here? Mm. Because Meredith does bring up, you know, when she's talking to Yang about Burke's recovery, Meredith brings up like, you know, well, Christina, you know, the statistics on depression and recovery and all of that stuff and whatever, whatever. And Yang just kind of brushes her off. But it is true that this is a man facing down what could be the end of his career and yeah. the end of like the only thing that he's ever known before. And that's pretty intense. It feels very unrealistic to me that Yang would not be more sympathetic to that as someone who is so hyper-focused on her own career and her ambitions and also can't imagine a life outside of surgery. It doesn't seem believable to me that she would just be this blasé about Burke's recovery and about his depression. Like, that's that's kind of weird. And so it's just, you have the writers, the writers have locked both of them into this unrealistic uncharacteristic behavior that just makes both of them worse like they're both worse off for it to me like i was annoyed with both of them in this episode i was more annoyed with burke because i don't like burke (laughs) but i was also like christina get a fucking grip why don't think it's uncharacteristic though like the way that they've painted Christina is that, like, she doesn't really tap yeah. into her emotions. She's sort of robotic. She's super she selfish. Vu- she's very selfish. She views Burke as sort of a, you know, God-type figure. And so she's sort of like, dude, you've been off for three weeks. Get back to work. Let's go. You know, I think she's sort of just like, she doesn't understand why he's moping about instead of doing the work of recovery. But you don't think that she would have, you don't think that the actual realistic Christina approach would have been to research everything she could possibly find on the recovery from this particular surgery so that she's even more familiar with what that recovery would look like than Burke, right? Like that to me seems more in line with Christina as a character, like someone who would just want to have every possible answer about the implications of the surgery on his career. I and think instead the physical she's just parts like, of the recovery. Instead she's just like, you're a god. You're Preston T. Burke. <laughs> Preston Xavier Burke. Yeah. Preston Xavier Burke. 
I think that she would have researched the physical parts of the recovery and wouldn't be concerned about the emotional parts, which is why in the end she brings home the chickens and is like, do the physical work of getting your, your strength back so that you can go back to work. It's not, she's not addressing how he might feel. Yeah. But I think that's what I mean. Even at the beginning of the episode, she's like, it's three weeks, go back to work. And it's like, have you, are you not familiar at all with the procedure that he went through? Obviously, he can't go back to work in three weeks. Like, what the fuck are you talking about? You're a cardiothoracic surgeon. Yeah. Or you want to be. Like, what are you talking about? Yeah, I think that that's true. I, I tend to agree with Patrice on this, though, that, like, I think that she is so uncomfortable with... I, I don't think... I think Christina's emotional capacity is actually pretty great. I think her ability to talk about her emotional capacity and communicate how she feels and how she's perceiving others' feelings is very, very limited. And so I think that she, like... Lean, yeah, so I think that she, like, leans pretty hard into, like, the physical side because that's what she can control. And she can't do anything about Burke's feelings because she struggles so much to communicate about feelings. And so I think that, like, even when she brings home the chickens and chops them in half with the meat cleaver, like, <laughs> I think that she's, like, really shutting shutting herself and her relationship down to an open line of communication to say the words, how are you feeling about this? Or isn't it so hard that this might be the end of your career? Because that's so outside of her either ability or willingness, you know? And I think that, like, they've they've really, they're really doubling down on that piece of her character as somebody who can't talk about feelings. Um, and I think that, like, it is, like, I do have compassion for Burke in this episode, right? It is really sad that this renowned surgeon might lose his career, um, because of something like somewhat preventable, right? And I think that, um, like, like I don't know. I think that I think that though it it does just continue to drive a wedge between them because Burke feels his feelings so big and Christina feels them so small. Um, and and you just see the writing on the wall for this relationship, right? It brings me back to the original point that like there is no world where this relationship ever works. No, um, because of and I feel like every episode is more and more proof against their relationship, and I find it like frustrating to watch it's like watching a car accident in slow motion (laughs) is how it feels to me (laughs) yeah i feel like berg feels his feelings so big but he still has the same inability as christina to express his emotions which is why it's problematic Mm. because instead of talking about how he feels about the fact that his career might be over he instead throws the tennis ball at the coffee and knocks it over and is basically like what bitch and, and tells her down, yeah. right and tells her not to clean it up and says it doesn't <clears throat> matter instead of saying like i'm scared my career might be over so bo- both of them have are inept <laughs> yeah oh emotionally yeah. inept yeah. yeah yeah so then this comes back to taylor trestle mm. and his wife who is similarly having a difficult time conceptualizing what it will be like to take care of a husband recovering from such a serious brain surgery. And Yang is kind of agreeing with the wife being like, yeah, you know, caretakers have it worse. Caretakers (laughs) are the real victims here. And it's in their conversation that they're so distracted by their own sort of frustrations about the roles, you know, what's demanded of caretakers that Taylor's holding the baby starts to see he's out. Starts to seize, and then and then Yang performs a pretty solid diving catch of that baby. I agree. Way to go. She does. Quick, quick on her, yeah, quick reflexes, quick on her feet. Good job. Um, but that's pretty much Taylor. There's yeah. not a lot going on with that yeah, case Yeah, they otherwise. do the surgery. Well, no, they do the surgery, and he comes out of it, and then... Dun, dun, dun. He can't okay. remember the words for things. He can't. Or the name of his baby, or it's his bad. wife. It's really scary to watch. Which, I like, hate they don't like that. follow up on nope. anything. Nope. Derek just basically says... They just kind of say, cross your fingers, it'll get better? Yeah. Isn't that, like, isn't, like, isn't, isn't the that word for that, like, says? aphasia? I think so. I think that's aphasia. I'm not going to look it up. I refuse. <laughs> but I'm pretty sure that it's aphasia. And, um, Use it in a sentence. Um, Taylor post-surgery experiences aphasia now define it when he cannot remember the words or the names of various things Uh, and people uh, uh. yeah wow yeah anyway that's really scary to watch though that's really scary to watch well but yeah they they just kind of leave it at that like well we'll see how it goes 
in a few weeks, but we're never going to see Taylor again. So yeah, no. as far as I'm concerned, he never remembers his baby's name. <laughs> <laughs> they renamed the baby. Yeah. <laughs> they come up with something different. <laughs> wow. What a sad <laughs> fucking ending. <laughs> That brings us to our final patient, Jasper. Ankle, ankle guy. Yeah. Yeah, ankle. Right? Yeah. He needs an ankle replacement. So th- this guy. This is so yeah, weird. Yeah, I mean, this is he's so weird. what? He's 55, right? Is He looks really good, right. first of all. And good job. Good job, Jasper. He looks he good does. for 55. He looks great. Because he runs 26 miles a day? <laughs> yeah, he does. That doesn't even make sense. <laughs> I said insane. I don't even that's drive so 26 miles a week. Like <laughs> that's no one runs a marathon a day. day. I I don't think that we're to understand that he runs 20 26 miles a day. Like he's pretty clearly like a triathlete. So I think it's like he swims, he runs, he cycles okay. 26 miles a day. Oh, fine, fine. Anyway, he's nuts. I still don't care about. Yeah. Him. <laughs> It's a weird case. Break it I mean, down for us, Megan. It summarize, is a summarize Jasper yeah, for us. Yeah. And George. I mean, George. I, so it's like this funny thing where he's like, a, so George, this whole, we're not going to waste time talking about George in this episode. George and Callie are struggling to communicate. They have sort of moved in together. Callie's pissed off. Or no, George is upset because they didn't want to move in together or something, but hasn't refuses to communicate that to Callie. And so to control something, he controls Jasper, mega athlete guy. And Jasper essentially is a, a, a very serious athlete. And he essentially sort of like has a, a buy and replace policy about his body parts, right? So he has had both of his knees replaced. He's had his hip replaced. Um, and he just sort of goes to Callie to say, hey, my ankle's going bad. I need a new one. And she will do it for him. Um, and George takes like a he has like a moral issue with this. Yeah. Um, and I don't I don't really understand why. And and I like I don't entirely agree with Jasper that you should like run your body down so hard and so intensely that you can just recycle your body parts. But guess whose body it is? Jasper's body. It's not George's body. It's not my body. It's not Callie's body. And he I have like a serious issue with with George in this episode because of his communication issues, but also with his inability to see this person as somebody who has control, like an autonomy and decision making power over his own body. And George is an intern in his essentially his first year of being a being a doctor. Um, and he he convinces Jasper through incredibly unprofessional That's means so to not replace his ankle. Um, yeah, Jasper keeps asking, you know, he's getting his ankle from a cadaver and he says, oh, can I see my cadaver? Can I see my guy? Can I see my guy? And no, 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 because of course that is 10 kinds of inappropriate. He asks George and George in a moment of pure manipulation says, you want to meet your guy? And brings him down to the morgue and shows him the man who's going to be his his ankle donor. And the issue, right, is that his his donor is is younger than him. Mm-hmm. Is that right? Or he's older than him? No, I can't, he's two I, years I can't younger, remember, but he, he looks much older. Right. Yeah, and and then it convinces Jasper that he's you know he's sort of reminded of his own mortality and fragility of his body, and decides not to have the ankle replacement. And it's just yeah, like it's so frustrating. Um, I, I at least I I was like. So I found George to be hands down the like shittiest doctor in this episode for for how he handles this case and personally the shittiest person for his his need to control Jasper because he can't communicate like really really basic things to his girlfriend. Um and I don't know, I'm I like I I also like didn't really care about this case, right? But George forced me to care about him because of his ineptitude as a person (laughs) you know like it I just found it so 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 frustrating I think it's super I think it's super weird because I'm just like George is treating this as though it's elective surgery like Mm -hmm. later on he draws a parallel between what Jasper's doing and another person another patient who's in the morgue and died during liposuction Mm -hmm. and he's like he's kind of also like making the case that Jasper's surgeries are elective and I'm just kind of it's like I think there are so many problems with George's approach here. One is that it's 
quite ageist, actually. Like, like you would yeah. not be if you had a 22 year old athlete coming into the hospital for a joint replacement. Y- like you would you would say nothing. You would have absolutely nothing to say about that. Right. But because Jasper's 55, you're like, why are you wasting your time in your life on this joint replacement? And it's like. Well, because maybe he doesn't just want to fuck off and die for the next 30 years. Like, he wants to keep using his body in this way. And fantastic. We, at that point, lived in the year 2006. And he had the opportunity to do that. And he had the money to do that. It's just like, it's not elective if he's an athlete and wants to continue to be a fucking athlete. It's just... It was just weird. It just felt super, super ageist. Like, Mm -hmm. if this was an athlete in the way that George considers an athlete to look like or to be like, then he would have kept his mouth shut and performed the surgery. But Jasper was like an old guy looking to perform like a young guy. And it's like, well, yeah, he's 55 again in 2006. Like he's got plenty of life ahead of him. Yeah. (laughs) Anyway, it was just it was weird. And it was a very uh, a very clumsy like analogy for his feeling that Callie is moving too fast in their relationship. Yeah. I was like, okay, I always love to make these reaches with you, Grey's Anatomy, but it's not there. This ain't it. Yeah, I it's, not there. <laughs> it's not there. There's no connection here between these two things. And really, it's not Callie moving too fast at all. It's just George, per usual, being unable to, to communicate, communicate his boundaries. Right. And his boundary in this case is, I'm not ready for you to move in yet. I said that you could stay here for a little while, but I'm not ready for you to move in yet. And he just like, he can't, he can't fucking do it. He spends the first part of the episode trying to get Meredith to tell kick Callie, out. to kick Callie out of the house. And it's like, oh God. Right. If you can't even communicate Ugh. these basic things to your partner, then you probably shouldn't be in a relationship. Yeah. Yes. For a while. Yes. <laughs> so those yeah those are our medical cases they're pretty you know they're not too they're not too in-depth they were doing they were doing a lot of work for our doctors yeah they were doing a lot of emotional labor i think the only things that we maybe didn't touch on were addison and mark Mm -hmm. and izzy Mm. yeah well and kind of murder finn Oh, yeah. A little bit more. Uh, yeah, there's more. more. There's more about them. More than just the threesome. The uncomfortable threesome. Can can we talk about As- Izzy? As- Azzy. <laughs> can we talk about Izzy, who is like, <laughs> sort of like the fourth patient <laughs> this episode? She just never actually enters the hospital. She just yeah. stands outside totally of the hospital the for an entire patient. day. I'm supposed to believe she just stands there. Where's Raj? <laughs> I yeah, know. I know. we need a consult stat stat <laughs> on the white lady standing outside the hospital for That's twelve such hours. Such a long time to stand. Whoever said why right? isn't she sitting down? I like worry a lot about standing as long as she needs to stand. <laughs> yeah, so speaking long. of joints, not even wearing comfortable <laughs> shoes. No, like, no, no. So, I will say, yeah, Izzy goes I, into I, work. Yeah, and can't go ahead, Patrice. Frame it for us. You know, she pops out during that scene when George is trying to convince Meredith to kick Kelly out and says, oh, I'll go to the hospital with you guys. And then everyone walks in and she just keeps standing. She says she needs a minute and she just looks at the building. She's sort of weirdly doing a power stance. So I was like, is she trying to just get up her courage to do something about it? But um, she just stands out there literally fucking all day and people keep coming back out to see her, but not saying like Izzy you are still standing out here we left you out here eight hours ago what's going on um and the chief is waiting for her to come in and talk and Bailey when the chief is like I didn't ask you to convince her to come here like I don't want I don't want to talk to her she's not my problem anymore and Bailey's like no you're gonna be compassionate and patient and she didn't commit a crime and I literally was like, excuse? Did you also scream at your TV in that oh, moment? I excuse? yelled, what? <laughs> because she literally did commit a crime. That was like what the episode she was did. about. Was Bailey like 
secretly <laughs> talking about things because she didn't want certain people to be liable for the fucking crime that Izzy committed. Like, fraud of Yunos, uh, worsening a patient's condition. Yeah. Uh, Those are the two big ones. So, yeah, Those crimes. Two big ones. For real crimes. And I feel like would maybe lead to, like, she basically murdered him. <laughs> yeah. You know? Like, so yeah. She, like, she didn't not murder him. Right. You know? <laughs> right. Right. <laughs> That's that was an insane that was an insane moment. I was like, what what is this? What is this erasure? It's not like she committed a crime. Excuse you, it's Bailey. It's exactly what like she committed a crime. About? It's exactly what she did. You said um, it like four I loved actually ago. that in the notes and trivia section on the Grey's Anatomy wiki, labeled as a goof is this exact point. When Bailey is trying to convince yes. Web- Weber to let Izzy come back to the program, she says that Izzy hadn't committed a crime. This is not true. <laughs> and then they describe her crimes. <laughs> I love it. I love it so much. That is a goof. Yes. I guess we could clap. A big goof. <laughs> um, yeah, it's it's weird. Everyone oh, is really funny. tender with Izzy in ways that make no sense. I'm not sure why we're trying to get Izzy back into the building. I'm... I'm not sure why Izzy wants to go back to the building. She already had her big sort of moment of self-actualization where she realized that she's not a doctor after all. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, what Mm -hmm. a triumphant end to that character that would have been. (laughs) She needed to wait. She needed to come back so she could have the ghost set. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, but like it's so the only weird. thing that's happened since that and now is that she made like a lot of muffins. Yeah, and she had she and, so and like really Bailey. Yeah, and Bailey was like you know a mother figure to her for a hot minute. Yeah, that's that's all yeah, different. but I just have a hard time believing that that launches you back into like <laughs> this piece of identity that she had rightfully admit that she had lost or yeah, had, you know was incorrect you know like I, I like I, I think it's I think it's a really far reach and I think that like when she's standing outside the hospital and can't go in I'm like yeah of course you can't fucking go in there like listen to your gut woman like go home <laughs> <You know? laughs> like it's hard for me to not think that like she's having like a freeze reaction when she needs like she needs to like listen to her internal sense there of like yeah yeah you can't go in for a reason because you don't belong there you know and I really understand her not wanting to go in and I think that her like she has kind of a touching moment at the end where she talks about thinking about changing her dress and and her you know her wedding dress and you know Denny and things like that and I'm like yeah you're broken like you're a broken person who broke the law and does not belong there and I and I think it's like it's like really sad at the end where you're sort of reminded that like she's really not ready to go back in and I don't think she needed to stand outside of the fucking hospital for 12 hours to realize that <laughs> maybe Izzy just had a moment of realism where she was like well I spent a lot of money on medical school, yeah. so I probably should right. just throw this away. <laughs> that's a great point. She's like, I should She's at least like, try. That's a pretty sunk cost. I <laughs> I got to go back. Can't really recoup those dollars. <laughs> right. Should we talk quickly about uh, Addison and Mark? Yeah. I mean, I, I feel like there's not a ton to say there, except Mark is a smoke show. And... <laughs> And Addison is a smoke. Oh show. my god, she okay. looks she looks so much better. Yeah, it's like they styled her in a way to yeah, make really well. up for the bucket hat. They were like, "We're really sorry we did that." They did. Um, we're gonna make it up to I you, know. Kate. <laughs> and they did. Yeah, I think. Yeah, Mark and Addison. It's just sort of mm, like their chemistry. It's comedy. Also, sexual again, tension. Addison <laughs> is thanking someone for sex. Yeah. Why does she thank people for sex? Why? Why thank does she you do that? For servicing me. Like, I think stop. I think it's nice. It's not. It's nice. It's weird. I don't <laughs> like it. Oh, man. So and also, I just feel really unsure about why Addison is fighting against having more sex with Mark or like yeah. doing anything with Mark because. Your marriage is yeah. over, yeah, girl. Done. There's it's nothing. Way done. Yeah. So what's the point in trying to pretend like you're not attracted to this hot man who you are clearly attracted to? Mm. She has so much more chemistry with Mark Sloan than she ever had with Derek. Yes. Yeah. Staggering. They need. They need Christina to come in with that fucking meat cleaver 
and slice up that tension. Because it's mm. a lot in Joe's bar. Mm-hmm. It was working. It was working mm-hmm. for me. Slice up that tension. So, so Mark is going to stick around Seattle. That was, that was yeah. way to go there, Teresa. Did that you like incredible. that circle back thing? <laughs> you. Uh, so Mark's, we learn at the end of this episode that Mark's gonna stick around a little bit he's, he's gonna fight for in. love yeah he's gonna he's checking into the same hotel as the chief notably as everyone and callie and addison and addison is staying at that same hotel so right <laughs> so orgy on the 22nd <laughs> yeah floor. yeah um i think yeah and anyway, oh murder finn. oh murder finn yeah Derek and finn trying to woo meredith Doing a bad job. Who did you think? Okay, question for the group. Who was more successful this episode, Derek or Finn? Ooh, I would say neither were successful, but mm. Derek, I hate his dumb face, so I would say Finn wins. Yeah. Wow. Really? Yeah, Derek. I mean, Der- it doesn't feel like Derek actually wants Meredith. He just wants to win. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's a good observation. I think he did win, but I think I don't think he won because he did a better job of wanting to be with Meredith. I think that's perfectly I think that's well, said. well said, too. I think he won also, but I definitely, that's a point well taken. He definitely won, though. Did he? Yeah, he 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 came over with his, like, oh, he won. shit-eating grin. He got to her first, so he made a plan for a dinner date. Eh. And then he saw them at lunch and was like, oh, that's right. He's a veterinarian and I'm a hotshot neurosurgeon. (laughs) (laughs) They call that guy McVet. Yeah. Yeah. And then he went over and described a really rare surgery he was about to do and was like, want to scrub in? And I was just like, yeah, that's a tough fight, Finn. Like credit to Finn for sticking with it. But there's no competition here. Well, I guess maybe Derek won the battle. Yeah. This time. Yeah. He's gonna he's gonna win the war. I know. <laughs> it's so annoying. But he does die at the end, so <laughs> <laughs> So who really wins? I bet Finn's Great alive somewhere. Finn's alive and surrounded by dogs. <laughs> oh yeah. and probably baby horses. Yeah. Yeah. Uh so yeah. does that mean it's time for this week's M M&M? I think so. Teardrop ranking. I gave it two. Hey, me too. I wrote nothing. Yeah. <laughs> she said no tears. You wrote one. I wrote nothing. <laughs> nothing? Does that mean zero? I just literally wrote nothing. It, there's yeah. a blank. Less than zero. Mm. Non-existent. What was sad? I didn't think it was sad. It's just like friendship makes me teary a little bit. And so the episode ended in such a way that was really sweet. And there was particularly if I... If I'm more specific, it's the moment when Izzy says, I couldn't go into the building. And Meredith is really cheerful and just says, that's okay. There's tomorrow. And it's just such a throwaway moment. But it feels, for whatever reason, unexpected that, like, they're not going to dwell in it. Like, it's it's just Meredith has no judgment. And it's just like, well, that's okay. There's tomorrow. Yeah. Do you want some ice cream? And I just was like... <laughs> I 100% agree. <laughs> and there's like a really, it's like such a cheesy bookend to this episode of like the beginning is this like unreasonable sexual fantasy that Meredith doesn't actually want. And yeah. then the like lived fantasy uh, of her yes. having her chosen family. And anytime they talk about Meredith's chosen family, I like crumble into like bare yeah. minimum. If there's a chosen family reference, I'm going to give it to you <laughs> because it just like, it like strikes me so close to home and so personally that like, I, I, and I think that it's like, it's so genuine and I think it's, I don't know. I just, it's so magical. And even George is in there. And I'm like, you're, George, you are so awful. And Izzy, you broke the law and are awful. And Meredith is still, like, willing to welcome you into her bed and share her strawberry yeah. ice cream. Absolutely. I'm on the exact same page, dude. <laughs> yes. I'm like, oh, this little family you've created out of weirdos? Yes. I will weep for it. Yes. yes. Good. <laughs> what about the on-call room? Literally take off your pants. There's a moment in Joe's bar where Addison and Mark are leaning in after a conversation yeah. where Addison is yes. like, Addison's like, um, I, you have to go or whatever, whatever. And they're so, they're so close to kissing and Addison slaps him across the face 
and she she surprises herself with the slap but it is so hot and just so everything i want and <laughs> it's genuinely better than if they had kissed uh-huh. it is genuinely hotter that she slapped him in the face out of sexual frustration <laughs> <laughs> I no, I 100% agree. And it's funny because I was looking back at my notes and saw that I wrote like, well, the threesome scene at the beginning has like some very like, like, we don't see a lot of we don't see Meredith, Derek and Finn like, um, like naked in that way. Yeah. You know, like, I think that Meredith and her Dartmouth t-shirt. Oh, is like that was a good call. You. And yes, like, you yes. know, very good look. For yeah, me. yeah. And I and I really like that. But I had also written or the slap and I couldn't remember the slap until you just described it. And I was like, it was Ugh. the fucking slap. <laughs> like, it's so true. The fact that that is the slap is hotter than the kiss is like so, so accurate good. and pointed and well said. So 100% agree. We're on the yeah. same page. Addison and Mark got it for me too. Did anyone have a song of the week? That was meh. No. I like the, um, there's a Joe Purdy song in this episode that I like. Uh, it's just like, I don't know. It's called I Can't Get It, Just Can't Get It Right Today. Um, and I have like kind of a soft spot for Joe Purdy in yeah. general. Um, and I find that he's like in a lot of these kind of like mediocre TV shows and moments. Um, but it's just, just I don't know. I just kind of <laughs> like him. <laughs> Joe Purdy's carved out his lane. Yeah, he has. <laughs> mediocre TV. Mediocre TV. Yeah. And like not just mediocre TV, but kind of mediocre moments in TV. Anyway, I just really like it. <laughs> I love an even more specific lane. But Joe Purdy, if you are listening, um, I do like you. Come on the show. Um, <laughs> death tally was none. Zero, right? I put one. One. Uh, yeah, Patrice. I said zero. And so did Megan. But Patrice has one. Talk us through it. I put one, and then under saddest stuff, I put Addison's dignity, and we didn't talk about this moment, but oh. it definitely died. She was so. Addison is in a supply closet crying, oh, and yeah. it's while they're looking for uh, Megan when Karev loses her, and Meredith opens the door to find Addison crying, and Addison's just like, "Weren't you just in another place? I'm literally trying to escape you." <laughs> Like, you're everywhere, your panties are everywhere, I can't fucking get rid of you, just go away. And she's, like, sitting on, like, a bucket or something, and I'm like, yep, that's when your dignity died, in that closet, right when they opened the door. Oh, yeah, that's a good, that's a good call. But in reality, there were no deaths. Right. But I believe that's improbable, because... I just really feel like Megan should have died from all of those long-term internal injuries. <laughs> right. That's real. Like, realistically. Yeah. People have died from less on Grace. Yes. That somehow she made true. it out. Yep. I don't know. That's She's it. a superhero. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I forgot. It wouldn't have fit with the superhero theme. What about uh, 007? George. <laughs> he didn't kill anyone. Except I, his relationship. I mean, I know Patrice is the only literalist at this. 007 is like I was just literally not literal <laughs> in the last one. That's true. So why are you so literal about 007? Because it's literally about who's the worst <laughs> Let's doctor. Let's say literally like, again. It's about doctor. who's the worst doctor. He is like, the worst doctor. You're right. Yeah. I just think that he's so awful with his patients. I mean, you don't have to twist my manipulative arm. Manipulative so. and like all the things that we talked about, right? Like he just is, he mistreats this patient, you know? Yeah. Uh, and he convinces him out of a surgery that he not only wants, but that he, like this man has a shitty ankle and needs a new one and <laughs> yeah. left without it. And I think that just qualifies George <laughs> as being a bad doctor. You forgot your ankle, sir. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Sir, your ankle, sir? That's what Callie says. She's like, where's the guy who needs the ankle? And they're like, he left. He doesn't have the ankle. <laughs> uh, see, I put George for my Karev of the week. But Same. It, it makes sense that he, <laughs> it makes sense that he's a 007 of the week. Absolutely. Um, but he's also for me Karev just because of his absolute inability to articulate any of his feelings or wants or needs or boundaries to Callie. And also, he's a real shithead professionally. So, Karev yeah. is George 007 this week. and Karev. I yeah. also said George for Karev. Congrats yeah, to George. It's hard to pull off the double-double. 
The du- is that we're going to yeah. call it now? The double-double? <laughs> yeah, it's hard to pull off the double. Uh, chief resident, though, I said Karev. Alex. Alex. Karev. I want to note, though, that he did lose his patient at one point. Yeah. And I yeah. want to also note that the doctors at Seattle Grace lose their patients too frequently. I, I don't understand. It's very easy to get away from your attending if you're a patient in a hospital. That's it's because what they're Grey's too Anatomy has busy uh, dealing Processing. with their own issues, gossiping, having sex, uh, basically crying. doing anything except for being a fucking doctor. Right, right, right. Line of the week? There are so, so many. many. Um, there are Christina so many. had excellent timing in this week, like <laughs> comedic timing, in my opinion. Um she has like a funny line about trying to get Burke out of the bell jar. <laughs> yeah, it's really good. What are you guys doing? Uh, she's dating everyone with a pulse, and uh, I'm trying to get Burke out of the bell jar. And I <laughs> love great. that line. I love that line. She also was making fun of Finn at one time, and she's like trying to. She's trying to. Finn is like walking, you know, having lunch with Meredith, and she's observing from afar, and she's like, "Oh, and she's laughing <laughs> because he made a joke, which probably wasn't funny." <laughs> Oh, you funny vet. And she's like teasing Finn and it it kills me. I laugh so hard every time at those jokes. And she's, I don't know. I just think her timing in this episode is really good. Um, And then the last one that I was thinking a lot about is when Meredith is at the very beginning when she's like, you know, like Derek and uh, Finn are, are bringing her like coffee and croissants and things like that. And she's like, I'm dating and it comes with snacks. <laughs> and I always thought that line <laughs> As too. It should. Because it's like, yeah, I'm like, yes, girl, you get your snacks. <laughs> like So those are the three that I always I think this is a great episode for like kind of one off random throwaway lines. Yeah. Um, and I love it for that. Yeah, there's there's definitely some good stuff. I also like Patrice really appreciated Addison's confrontation with Meredith in the supply closet when she was like Weren't you just up on three. I was. We lost a patient, a little girl, and I was just. Why don't you pick a floor and stay on it, and I'll pick a floor and stay on that because I really need a moment or two without you. Your face shows up in my head. Your panties show up in my husband's pocket. Really, you're everywhere, and I need a moment or two without you. I get that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> And I also liked Sloan t- uh, telling the chief when asked, you know, why are you sticking around? And Sloan says, I have a thing for ferry boats. And I'm just like, take that, Derek, you prick. <laughs> a hotter man is coming for you. <laughs> uh, my line of the week came from Callie, and that's only because... I wanted her to slap George in the face after she said it, but she said, And if you weren't a toddler, if you could use your words, then maybe you could have said that the first four times I asked you. And then I would have said, oh, that's funny, me neither. I'm looking for a place. I'll be out in a week. Really? Because George, remember, save you- it. I'll be, I'll be out in an hour. After he blurted out that he wasn't ready to move in with her. And she's like, mm-hmm. yeah, me neither, you fucking dickwad. <laughs> Speaking of unbelievable relationships, Jesus Christ. Yeah, no kidding. Oh, it's going to get worse. So quickly, should we roll through our medical fact of the week? Medical facts. Yeah, tell me about it. Congenital insensitivity to pain, sometimes with anhydrosis. Yeah. So either SIP or SIPA. Yeah. In the Grace Wiki, they said that Megan had SIPA. Yeah. But I don't believe Mm. that she did because the congenital insensitivity to pain with the anhydrosis like is marked by the fact that people who have it also cannot sweat mm-hmm. and and that leads Ooh. to some other like strange deformities and she obviously did and, like not have somebody that. would have got that yeah yeah point. yeah 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 but sip on its own also harrowing yeah very scary can't stuff feel pain i thought it was really interesting yeah. um so there's this episode, I think, was probably inspired by a couple of cases. One was in 2004. The story of this girl, this was reported on NBC News. Um, this girl who, who couldn't feel pain um, and the struggles that her family was going through. Um, and in that article, they're kind of describing what SIPA does. And apparently the genetic mutation that causes SIPA only disrupts the development of the small nerve fibers that carry sensations of pain, heat, 
and cold to the brain. So mm. it's like actually like a very targeted mutation. Um, and huh. like it's extremely rare. Um, and the mutation itself is is like very small. Um, and yet has obviously these huge consequences. So that's one case. That was 2004. But interestingly enough, so this came out, this was their fall 2006 episode. And another girl made the news in Minnesota um, in February of 2006. And so her case also might, might have um, been inspired. Been, yeah, inspiration. been an inspiration to the writer's room. But I, I would assume that sort of that, that cluster of conversation around SIP was what brought about this episode there's a 2017 piece from vice that people should definitely check out it's called the family that doesn't feel pain and it's about uh perhaps obviously a family who all share this genetic mutation and um and it's it's really interesting like this genetic mutation typically is um like observed in multiples in a family so it's it makes sense that Megan's character was orphaned, right? So we could assume that like one oh. that someone in her family probably also um, has SIP uh, because it typically clusters in families because of who's carrying the genetics, like the genetic markers. But this is an entire family dealing with the situation, and they're actually being researched. At the time, in 2017, um, they were involved in research into treatment for chronic pain sufferers, right? The idea being that, like, if we can look at a cluster of genetic mutations that keep people from feeling or experiencing pain at all, is there something that we could learn and then apply to people who are feeling pain all the time? Because chronic pain is also not very well understood and therefore, like... We obviously, given our opioid crisis, have done mm-hmm. a really fucking terrible job of trying to treat it. So anyway, so like that those two things are kind of going hand in hand was really interesting. But there are like there are a ton of articles, like a ton of, you know, family stories of people finding out that their kid has this because, you know, they went in for like what they thought was an elbow you know, fracture. And then it turned out that there was calcification indicating that they'd broken their elbow at least once before, or like, you know, like a kid, uh, like typically a, a lot of it was like, you know, cause when you're a little, when you're a small child, obviously you're not really conscious of like what you're doing. So like if you're, if you're teething, right, you might be like pulling on the skin on your yeah. finger and like you would stop at a certain point because that would be painful. But, like, these kids will, like, pull the skin off their bone because, like, there's no pain. So why would they ever stop using their finger as, like, a teething ring, right? So, so like, shit like that. But sometimes it does present a lot later because maybe your child, like, doesn't go through that or it's it's not as noticeable that they can't, that they can't feel pain. Right. right. Well, like, reading about oh. CIP in the wiki, it said that there were... For CIP and not for SIPA, which is like this. And the in the Wikipedia, they say that like congenital insensitivity to pain is different from the congenital insensitivity with the an anhydri- anhydrosis because that's in a grouping of these um, <clears throat> hereditary hereditary diseases called like H SANS or something that have four different oh, yeah. types. But the just general CIP that there's mm. generally two types of non-response. So you can be insensitive to the pain. So you the painful stimulus isn't received. Um, and so they just don't know about it. And then there's indifference to pain. And so they perceive the stimulus, but they don't lack an appropriate, they lack an appropriate response. So they just like don't flinch or don't draw away or don't move away from the pain, which I feel like might be easier to diagnose. Like yeah. if you're like, ouch, but you're still like standing with your hand <laughs> over the fire right, or right. something. <laughs> yeah. It's actually huh. like, I, I really liked this case um, a lot when I watched as a kid because one of my favorite... Um, one of my favorite Bond films, uh, GoldenEye with Pierce Brosnan, the Bond villain in that film has a bullet lodged in his brain and he cannot feel pain as a result of it. Like it's disrupted mm-hmm. the nerve that affects, you know, like the communication of like pain and cold oh. and heat. 
And so uh, it ends up with, like, this really interesting sort of tortured Bond villain who has, like, very attracted to as a child you know like one of his like tests for his henchmen was like holding like a lava stone in his hands you know Mm. and like eventually like the guys would like have to drop the stone and like grab their hands and like be writhing in pain but he would like still be gripping the stone and i just i I was like nine and i was like hot (laughs) (laughs) so hot it was a hot pressure test yeah yeah exactly yeah so Anyway, that's what we got. Yeah, that's our medical fact of the week. That's oh, what we also got. the other thing I read is there's apparently a village in Sweden, like a very small village, where because it's hereditary, there's just like a bunch of people with insensitivity to pain in this small village <laughs> in Sweden. Fucked up, right? <laughs> that's, oh that's my god, intense. <laughs> I want to read it. Like I want to watch a documentary. About that. <laughs> Me too. <laughs> It's like, oh, I can't do a Swedish accent, but I'm just imagining <laughs> someone just like everyone's out like chopping wood or doing something like that. And people are continuously like chopping their fingers chopping limbs and yeah. fingers. And yeah. Yeah. Well, that's our episode for this week. Thanks so much for listening. Um, you can find us in a variety of places. First off, you should definitely subscribe on iTunes, on Apple Podcasts. You should rate us five stars. And you should leave us a really good review. Mm-hmm. Really good review. Mm-hmm. Only the best. Um, you can listen yeah. to us on Apple Podcast, on Spotify, on Acast, on Stitcher, on Podbean. Really anywhere you can listen to podcasts, you can find us. And you can catch us on Twitter at code underscore grays underscore. And Instagram. At code grays podcast. Hell yeah. We've got videos. We've got pictures. Typically on Wednesday nights when we record, there's some sort of Insta story. Yeah. Today you got a little ASMR. Not today. Because <laughs> when it comes out, it won't be there. Right. <laughs> well, now you'll know to check next right. week. <laughs> but anyway, check us out. Uh, communicate with us. If you check on Wednesday evenings, you might find <laughs> it. We love it. Anytime someone on Twitter like responds to a link and is like, oh my God seeing an episode makes me so happy just for the record that makes me so happy to see your tweet about it so keep doing that that's really lovely we love it see you next week bye